We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. I don't know if you know this, but the, uh, the Acura RDX is quite fast. <laughs> I know it now. You do know it now. We had we, we just got back from, you may have watched, we, we, we were at a Lemons uh, shoot. We've got another Lemons episode. I want to talk about that in a minute. Yes. But yes. we're back in town. As you can tell, we're back in the studio after a really cool live piece with the Griot's boys. Very cool. Yeah, hopefully you fun. guys had a chance to see that and hear about the cars that we got to drive. Yeah. Thank yeah, yeah. you to the entire Griot's family for letting those cars out. And mm-hmm. we just got to enjoy them. They're on the Instagram, by the way, photos mm-hmm. of all those cars that Chance took. So, But the press car that. that we had while we were in Washington, thanks to the guys at Drive Shop, was a Acura RDX. Now, you and may thanks remember, to Acura, too. They, totally. They teed totally. that up, and they yes. didn't want to get us in the RDX. Yes, We've yes. heard a lot of good things about we, it. Uh, we drove the MDX for a fast blast not that long mm-hmm. ago, and we're mm-hmm. quite impressed with it, actually. Yeah. But the RDX is the smaller guy. This is the the Porsche Macan competitor. And I have to say, I think it is a genuine cross shop with the Macan. You brought that up, and I think so too. It's not as good dynamically, but the Macan honestly handles better than a car like that should, better than the CUV should. True. It's not as good dynamically, but it is quite quick. But it's priced better than a Macan for it is. sure. You know, you can get a loaded? new one for the price of a used Macan. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. The one we had was pretty fully loaded. It was the A-Spec package. Of course it was. Yeah, it was which is just version. trim at this point. There actually is an advanced package with the suspension past the one we have. But yeah, it was still yeah. 46.8, I think. Great interior, nice seats. The cargo space was decent, not great, which is the same way I feel about the Macan. Right, but that's fine because the size of vehicle. That's the size that it is, for sure. So I think it's a direct McConnell competitor. I would absolutely tell people to cross shop. If you're driving these like I think you're going to drive it, which is not how we're going to drive them, you're going to drive it to commute. Every now and then you have one on-ramp fun, Mm -hmm. which reminds me of a story. And mm-hmm. uh, and and you want to just drive it kind of normally in groceries and family and oh this is this is a surprisingly fun car the RDX is going to be an absolute competitor in that regard and that's the thing we talk about what SUVs are actually fun mm-hmm. that was the actual the entire point of the seven seat SUVs episode yes. we we shot and if you haven't seen that on television yet it'll come soon to Amazon Prime and it's rerunning on Motor Trend too yeah 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 it's going to be rerunning this season as well but yeah we were we're always thinking all right so you're locked into an SUV what's got a, mm-hmm. a modicum of fun a yeah. little bit and if you need if you need seven seats that that uh, uh mdx was impressive but this mm-hmm. was the rdx and my favorite moment i think because i had been driven driving it quite a bit all weekend <laughs> and i always put it into what i called sporty sport mode which is actually sport plus <laughs> need to so it was like it. like grind the dial all the way over and find sport plus which <laughs> made it very uh let's say alert to the gas pedal but my favorite moment was <laughs> we went through a toll booth in tacoma <laughs> And you left the toll booth with um, with purpose. Let me put it to you that way. I, I like to drive with purpose. You left with purpose. Mm-hmm. And you, but you weren't. I looked over at the dash. And I could tell you weren't in sporty sport mode. So because we were in comfort mode because we'd just been cruising on the yes. freeway. So I, I I said it. I warned you as I did it. But you hadn't been in sporty sport mode yet. I'm going to keep calling it that. I, I regular sport. I reached over and I cranked it to sport plus <laughs> while you were accelerating with purpose. And all of a sudden you were accelerating with even more purpose. And I think the people both at the toll booth station and the ones you then were flying by in a blur were like, "What got into that guy?" It was with vigor. Accurate. There was an accurate vigor. As a matter there of fact. was at one point. Let's move on. I, yes. I was I was moving with with aplomb. But it's great. Uh, stop. Stop. It's I'm not it's, all the related it's now, words. It's now a vocabulary episode of the podcast. Oh, yeah. But but the reason we were in uh, Washington was obviously we hung out with the Griots guys. But we were there to shoot the first, at least the first shoot. It's not the first episode, but the first shoot we've done for season six. <laughs> Which is first it. quarter of 2020. That is six months away. We've already shot the first episode of the, of the probably seven we're going to do. And that was another Lemons episode. We had – we brought back – oh, my gosh. I can't believe we did this. We brought back <laughs> the Porsche Boxster, the base 986 Porsche Boxster yeah, yeah. that we had last year that proceeded to bleed out all over the pavement. It was back with a – New, in quotes, engine? New to the car, but to far the car. from new. There, there was a lot of stuff that they did to it. Pete and Dale did a lot of work there, the uh, the crew. Dale's the team owner and car mm-hmm. owner. And so he, we've done a lot of work to the car. They had, as a matter of fact. And, uh, yeah, it was nice to show up. I think we all had a lot of confidence coming into the race. And we did finish, everyone. Good news. I'm not going to spoil the entire episode, even though it's coming out in season six. But... It uh, it was a good race. We finished. We had we had. Gen- Here's the thing. We finished 
So there's there's none of the drama of are they going to make it. It's it's really cool. We do get to make it, and it's wonderful. But folks, mm-hmm. there are crashes. There is rubbing. There are spins. There mm-hmm. is there it is was real car breaking. Oh, there yeah. is stuff that goes on here, and I cannot wait to show it to you. We we actually had a really good shoot chances with us as our shooter, and uh, we got lots of good coverage. We got lots of varied coverage. We haven't been able to get of this track before. We really attacked this episode very differently to make this third, and I am promising you final. This is like the Lemons trilogy. Is mm-hmm. really what we've done. Mm-hmm. We've had two. This is the the penultimate it's episode. Blu-ray, <laughs> exactly. The Everyday Driver Lemons trilogy. The entire catalog. Of Get your commemorative lemon. No, we're not doing that. But anyway, so so we had a lot of fun doing that. We're back now. We are about to shoot just because things are weird. The last episode of season five. Because yes, of weird scheduling yes. issues is about to be shot, and that is rapidly going through post and going to Amazon and also to cable. So uh, my plan, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. Uh-oh. No one's listening, right? No, my, my plan is that before the end of August, you'll be able to watch all of these on Amazon. That's my hope. Great, great. That's what I'm shooting for. Well, before we move on, I do want to tell you about the other Lemons cars, the notable builds that were oh, there, yes. and I do want you to go on Instagram and find those cars. It was the Taste of Lemons posting, and the headliner is the team called Porsche Hockey mm-hmm. that took a Crash 944, okay, and they welded the front end of a Chevy Scottsdale pickup onto the front and dropped a V8 in the 944. Yes. This thing... Yes was fast and yet it negated itself all at once because they welded and the pickup truck is I don't know six inches wider than the 944 on each side <laughs> so it's a brick welded on to the front you yes. can see where they actually cut away all the old 944 parts drop the V8 in welded on the pickup truck front end and it's a brick, but it has a V8, but it's an aerodynamic brick, but it has a V8. So it was fast, but it was slow. It was fast when it ran. Well, it was fast when it ran, yeah. They, they had I, I had some, two hmm, different problems. sessions where I saw it broken in the same spot, and that same spot was the end of the pit lane entrance. I may they got pit. that far. Yeah. I may or may not have left some blue Porsche paint on the front have, end yes. of that car. Uh, well, there's a few other cars here that please. I want to go through. There was the uh, Jeep Cherokee from the mm-hmm. 90s that was Barbie pink mm-hmm. and had an actual Barbie as a hood ornament that was rather creepy. It was. It looked like a bondage experiment. The way they the that way was, they attached Barbie to the front good. of the car was 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 downright creepy. Th- that honestly, that Jeep actually kept getting dismantled the further the race went on. Yes. and uh, Chance and I would look at it and think, okay, it had a giant front air dam. When the race started, mm-hmm. was that there? Was and we'd pull out our phones, look yeah. at the pictures we took at the front of the race, and be like, "Yep, that part's." Hey, look, a headlight's missing. It was now. like it an looks on- like an oil cooler in there now. <laughs> it was like an ongoing before and after event. It really was. It was great. There was a 1974 Lotus Elite. Yes, with a V8 dropped into the front of that thing that yes. was fast. It ran, except when the brakes were <clears throat> pouring smoke and it had to come into yes. pits. It did break down a couple of times, but other than that, it was fast and one of the class leaders. Unbelievably low. A classic <laughs> shooting brake shape. Two doors, long hatch. We first it saw awesome. it from across the parking lot. And went on, we honestly went, what is that? We what had to go over and car? check. It was crazy. So the, you know, it's it's powered by a Chevy and it's a Lotus. So the license plate said Chotus. It is the Chotus. Yep. It, it ran. And it was quick when it ran well. And then the last car is the vet that we saw there last year, a C3 vet mm-hmm. that <clears throat> says all original GM parts on the outside of the car, but yet it is <laughs> sporting an E36 BMW M3 engine in it, which actually and that livery actually. is great yes. because it fits well under that long hood. It reduces the car by at least 140 pounds, yeah. and it, it balances well. That thing was fast. Before we leave the lemons discussion, I, do you have more cars? Those are the cars. But I, I wanted, the, all those photos of those cars are on Instagram. You mm-hmm. can see the, the pictures for yourself. Lance J. Roberts on Facebook asked a lemons question. I think we should cover it right here. Okay. All I right. really like this question. Of course, we, we do have two car debates coming up. We, uh, we will get to a bunch more audience questions at the end. But he asked a question about lemons. He said he feels like it's becoming less fun or at least the racing part of it he thinks is less fun mm. because mm. it's being overwhelmed by Miatas and E36s. I think what you're actually saying without saying it is it's being overwhelmed by cars that are fast and actually run. I think you're missing the days when the stuff the weird stuff we're talking the about was keep referring pre- to was, was predominantly was predominantly the cars on track and most of them didn't run, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. And in this same category, the guys that were the the guys from Lemons running the, the event this this week were talking about how few class C cars there were. So right, Lance's right. question is Racing a slow car is kind of terrifying now because there's lots of fast cars on track. Sure. What would we do to, quote, unquote, fix it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or would we? And I have a thought on this, Lance. 
the organizers were saying that there are, let me back up. If you've seen our lemons piece or you've ever done lemons, there are three classes at lemons. There's an A, B, and C class. And the A class cars are cars they expect to finish, cars they expect to be fast. Mm-hmm. Yes. The B class is. We're you, inexplicably in the A class. We this were year. in the A class because, you know. Well, they, I, I kept telling everybody, we left all our laps on track last year. We left yeah. at least 200 laps on Undone. track. We yes. didn't get credit yes, to us absolutely because right. of the episode, because yeah. of the car. And I figured those are our. We, we paid our penance last year. We when we did tech this year, they said, you're going to blow up anyway, so what's it matter? <laughs> so we'll just yeah, put you in Exactly. A. So there was like, that. What? But, um, but the, B, the B cars are cars that either have already completed C-Class, I'll get there in a second, or they expect we'll probably finish, but they doubt we'll be that fast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then C-Class is, we're not even sure you're getting out of the pits. <laughs> I mean, C for crap car. Honestly, it really is. Because, <laughs> Which is true about a lot of them, actually. And the, and the Lotus Elite, and interesting you brought that up, because it was a C-Class car up until the race before this one, because apparently it had right. never finished, and everybody looked at it and went, that's really cool. That's never going to run. Great Chotus, man. But the, the, the big discussion that happened from the Lemons organizers the week that we were there is, where are all the C-Class cars? Where are all the crazy builds that might not run, but that is the point? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's my quote-unquote fix. Okay. I think that the if it should be financially beneficial to run a C-Class car. You mean for so your your registration after fee. you buy it because here's what's happening with A class okay what's happening with A class is and again lemons is supposed to be cars you bought for five hundred dollars and then you can spend honestly you can go nuts you can spend as much as you want beyond that there's a level you got to spend a few grand to get it up to race spec with it's now got fire suppression and full cages and they they do it right for safety well there is a question from Kelly K I want to address after this it, great it kind of speaks to that and then you can get up and you can go really nuts but some of the cars that were running at the top of the pack in a class here they don't just run lemons they run three or four other race series, and they use Lemons as a shakedown or fun race weekend. Mm-hmm. Right. So those guys, back to Lance's point, are genuinely quick. Yeah. And they're yeah. genuinely race cars. They're not just Lemons cars. They're race cars. They're sorted, yeah. So I think yeah. I think that if – and look, we were in A-class, and somewhere Dale's going to hate me for saying this, but I think A-class should be more expensive – Oh. To enter, B class should stay the same, and C class should be heavily discounted or possibly free for your registration, offset by the more expensive other classes. So, if you're bringing a race car, bring a race car. If you're doing a shakedown, do a shakedown. But okay. it's more expensive to be there. But okay. that would encourage people to roll the dice financially on it. I'm not sure this is going to work. Maybe, but the cars that the that are also raced in other uh, series uh-huh. are Lucky Dog and and Chump. Yes. And so they have similar requirements as far as you can't just bring a 911 GT3 to the party. True, true, true. You can't just enter that and crush everybody. You've got to have a certain level of, you know, the car cost not that much. Yeah. And, you've, you know, you're putting money into it, but you're not putting too much. But but we you saw know. groups that looked close to race teams out there. They were. They were sorted. You know? I mean, they have been doing this for a long time. But And if, and if, if and, and this is, look, this is only if what we want Lemons to be is things like the uh, the Porsche honky. If we want Lotus to be that. And I think that is the larger question. If if Lotus is, I mean, pardon me. If if Lemons is supposed to be that, where it's just, uh, I can't believe you're about to drive that. Then you've got to incentivize people to drive the crazy stuff. Because look, I'll, I'll point the finger right at us. What do we want to do? We want to show up and drive a car that works and feels good and it's fast and we're yes. racing. We're out there genuinely yes. racing. So yeah. if, if so, yeah. if you're going to offset that to the guys that want to turn wrenches and want to drive something crazy, and I can't believe this works, you've got to incentivize that because. Otherwise, we're all moving toward cars that are going to run. I mean, get a Miata with great tires. The, guy, the, the Miata that was out there with us was unbelievably quick. Oh, he was fast. Because I'm not tires. sure he ever hit the brakes. Yeah, yeah. He was poking his nose into he, corners. That he, was, he was quick and a good driver, but I but. don't think they ever hit the brakes because I think they just turned in. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, Lemons has to make money. You know, they, yes. the Class C still has to cost money to make the organization some yes, money. I suppose then, so. But if, but if everybody that wants to come that brings their race cars is paying the, the A fees. Hmm. So they're offsetting. A little bit. Let, let's look. But let's then it's say, real Lamar and the slow guys are getting blown past but the slow the guys are getting cars. The slow guys are getting blown past right now. Anyway, we've they been are. a slow guy. You get blown we past. We have. Yeah. Feels good. All right. So Kelly Kay's question is, we talk about, uh, should we offer some strategies on keeping people from buying their car at the end of the race? So mm. part of Lemons is the option for the race organizers, the Lemons organizers, to buy your car back from you. You bought your car at $500 level. Mm-hmm. If you buy it for more than that, you get penalized a certain number of laps. But then they have the option of buying that car from you for 500 bucks 
and they take your car, regardless of that how was, much money you have spent yeah, on that to that build it up to the race car. That was supposed to keep you buying small stuff. Yeah. So the entire balance is you could buy a $500 car and pour $50,000 into it. Mm-hmm. But then the organizers would be like, that's a sweet race car. Here's your $500. Yeah. Now, we have never seen them. At least the organizers for the Ridge have mm-hmm. not done that. We have not seen it. We don't know if that has gone on. Yeah. I, think I don't it's know more if it's even a, a thing yet. Than it's still, I don't think else. it's a thing anymore. I think it used to be. I don't think it is anymore. It, yeah. it used to be. So... You know, it just depends on how much money you pour into that car. You know, tires, wheels, super lightweight wheels with Willwood discs and, you know, the lightest components. Well, now you're pouring money. If you're going to pour that kind of money into a car, it should be a real race car in a real race series. Not that this isn't, but theoretically, pour your money into, you know, pearls before swine, right? It's kind of like that. So you want to spend just mm. enough to be competitive in your class. But if you're spending too much money, what will... Okay, uh, lemons is supposed to be low cost of entry for mm-hmm. people. That's the entire point. It's not, you know, well, now we're in real racing and we're getting buried by rich yeah. teams. Yeah, what is That's it? That's kind e- of a bummer. E- AER, the American Endurance Racing Series or whatever that, that happens around that is the level above lemons where it's actually real race cars and stuff like race prep mm-hmm. stuff, but we're still Miatas and things. I mean, mm-hmm. there's that above it. I mean, that is the big question. The great thing about lemons is access. And that's the thing we've enjoyed about it is the fact that you can drive, as we did, a Subaru Legacy wagon with an automatic, (laughs) and it'll just keep running and turning laps and doing well. It was still there. It was still there. Yeah, and they've only changed the oil. That engine has not been cracked apart. It's amazing. They change the oil and they keep it running. It's truly amazing. And every time I pulled up behind there, they're, they're kind of our sister team, okay? Yeah, they are. Every time I pulled up behind them on track, though, the driver in that car suddenly drove faster, desperate to keep me behind them. There was a, there was a point of pride there. And I get the point of pride. I've been in that car. They're, it's they're impressive. They're great for drafting, though. It's a brick. You can just tuck right up behind that thing, blow by them. They're That's great. Funny. Love it. Guys, we've got a great podcast for you here. A couple of car debates. First one from Alex F. in Boston, Massachusetts who's a drone pilot looking for a new ride. And we've also got Hosni J, who is looking for a grown-up car. He says in the title it's got to be all-wheel drive, but we're not sure. We're not convinced that it needs yeah, to be all-wheel the drive. The description isn't that you need all-wheel drive, but you've, you've kind of right. titled it that because that's some of the stuff you've driven. So we look forward to getting back to that as well. All right. Uh, Alex writes to us with uh, – he's got a, a commute here. He's in the construction and engineering industry in Boston, and Mm -hmm. his commute is an hour and a half each way to work, partially moving, partially stop and go. He spends about 75% of his time in the field and 25% in the office. So he is out and about, and he's a drone pilot. He Mm -hmm. says, I've got a lot of good little roads up here, but the main job of this next car needs to be the commute and daily responsibilities. So five to seven days a month, he needs to commute with his company's drone and some GPS equipment Mm -hmm. out to these job sites. And he says some of these sites are busier and messier than others. So he's got to have decent trunk or hatch space with the ability to fold down seats. Sounds like he's transporting a lot of gear. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. is a requirement. Other than that, it's got to be able to handle some weather that they get, occasional trips to the mountains for skiing, and road trips down to New York City to visit family with uh, with his fiancée. Mm-hmm. Currently driving an 044 runner with 200,000 miles that is his daily and a 2013 FRS that cannot fit the drone or the equipment. And he says it's been a reliability nightmare. Mm, I know. I, I am that. curious, Alex, as to what has been a reliability nightmare. What aspect of the yeah. car? Because that is rather unexpected. I've not heard too many We've heard very few people issues. that have had issues with those. Granted, the first year, the 2013, the were 2013. the ones that generally have the most problems. But we haven't heard very many people that would describe that car that way. I think I can mm-hmm. think of one other one right now off the top of my head. Now, this is anecdotal, of course, but we would be very curious to hear. I'm very sorry. And you've said as a result, your fiancé really wants the next car to run. <laughs> That'd be novel. Top of the list. Yes. Doesn't have to do Running. anything else. Yeah. All right. So both of these cars are on their way out the door to make room for one car to be able to pay off student loans. Mm-hmm. Now, he's 26. He says, I've got a bad back, and the forerunner's old driver's seat has been killing his back lately, but the Scion seats are pretty good, he says. Very nice. So seats are probably number two on the requirement, something mm-hmm. like that, especially for the amount of time that he spends in the car. So now that brings us to a budget of twenty dollars to $30,000. He says, realistically, two hundred fifty dollars to three fifty dollars a month. Okay. And they would like to own, he and his fiance would like to own this vehicle for a while. She's not a huge fan of excess maintenance issues due <laughs> to these imagine problems. Why. Yeah, geez. I mean, nobody is. Like, yeah. who's going to raise their hand when it comes I'll to... I'll take like, that on. Yeah, yeah, sure, maintenance yeah, problems. You're right. you're right. Ooh, me, right here. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll make it a lemons car. Doesn't happen. All well, comes yeah. back around. <laughs> Every car, you realize, has the potential for becoming a lemons car. It's frightening. At some point. It's frightening. You know... I, 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna, crazy. I'm gonna make a weird comment real quick. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny to keep a Phaeton long enough to turn it into a lemons car? <laughs> the problem is the the straight line acceleration on that nearly six thousand pound beast would be awful. But the idea of trying to get hmm. that land yacht around a racetrack makes me laugh so much. There is a laugh factor involved with that, especially when the suspension completely fails and mm-hmm. people are like, "Ooh, you lowered it. That's <laughs> racing suspension right there." Yeah. <laughs> no, it actually, a stance car. Wait, you're right. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Sure. That's what I was going for. Yeah. All right. So thoughts so far on what Alex should get here. He's been looking at the Kia Stinger. He likes the space in it. Mm-hmm. And he says the engine, of course, the power drew him to that car. That's cool. It's really good. He said the hatch would swallow everything it needs to. The seats would fold down. He thinks he could get a GT model in his budget. I think you're right. If mm-hmm. you go you know, high 20s, low 30s, absolutely, you could get a GT1, GT2, maybe. Well, and he or he could get one that's just barely used. And you could certainly uh-huh. find him that way. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. All right, so he likes the look of the CX-5, especially that red, and he's intrigued by the new engine, but he's not sure about getting into that with the new engine because if it's going to be a CX-5, it's got to be the new motor. Mm -hmm. Get it. He says the new Mazda 3 hatch pops into his head, but he used to own a Protégé 5, and he wants to get something that he hasn't really experienced, even though those are vastly different cars. They are quite different. I don't think it's the same experience, but I, I, I do take your point. All right, he says WRX hatch kind of makes sense. Doesn't want the boy racer look. He says Subaru is really common. <laughs> I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> He's looking for more com- comfort. And he says kind of GTIs are in the same class as the WRX the hatch at least. A little bit more comfort with less all-wheel drive capabilities. And yes, you're right. Winter tires. And does that come with a higher cost for maintenance? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, we've seen plenty of Volkswagens with really high miles. Yeah, for sure. And they just run. They're fine. And every German will look at you strangely when you say... Volkswagens don't run. Mine runs forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the 60,000-mile dice roll. The people that we know, some of them after 60,000 miles are constant problems. Some of them are like, all it does is run. 59.9. You better be selling that puppy. Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. You just better be prepared. That's what we're really saying. He says Fiesta ST would be a blast. You're right. It would be, yeah. I don't think it has nearly the space you're looking for or the comfort yeah, you are. I agree. The car seats are good, but I don't, I don't think that's on the list. He's saying wagons. Volvo Mercedes wagons. Are those cool? He's saying GLA 45. You've heard of the podcast, yes. and you know we recommend that car. The AMG 45 is super fun. Yeah. What is he missing? Alex, you were missing the all-road anything. Okay. You've sure. brought up wagons. Sure, yeah, yeah. But the Audi All-Road of really any year, but mm-hmm. preferably mm-hmm. the newest All-Road you can find for your budget with yeah. the lowest yeah, yeah. miles possible, mm-hmm. I do think they're going to be fine as far mm-hmm. as maintenance con- is concerned. Our local friend Jay keeps buying used ones. Yes. Like he'll buy a two-year-old one, run it for a year or so, buy another two-year-old one. Yeah. And he's he's had great experience, and he buys all of them with miles on them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could apply the same thinking to what Volvo has. They've got the cross countries, the mm-hmm. XC60s. Mm-hmm. Those are not as fun road driver friendly, but it's going to do everything else you're looking for. Of course, I love the Stinger idea. I love the Stinger all road idea. That that would be interesting. <laughs> not quite safari. <laughs> all road. Not, the Stinger all road. Where, where are you in the all road scale oh, no. or the safari scale? The off road Stinger. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm horrified a little bit, to be yeah, honest with you, but okay. Would really selling all the winter. Would it really? Yeah. Okay. I hope not. <laughs> okay. I hear you. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking wagon for sure because it's unique. Mm-hmm. Everybody says, mm-hmm. why don't people buy wagons? Mm-hmm. Well, SUVs and especially, you know, all the five-passenger SUVs, which are great. Yeah. And they serve a lot of purpose. Some are far better than others. You heard us talk about the RDX, and we like that a lot, especially the new one. But I'm thinking wagon because it will do better on the roads that you're talking about, mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. want you in comfort. And I, I suggest Volvo and BMW because of the seats. We have said that for a long time. Yeah. That you're, rings you're wanting true seats. today. Yeah. You're wanting good seats. And you've mentioned Volvo, Mercedes, BMW. All of them make an all-wheel drive version. It just it doesn't have to be Audi necessarily. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I bet you you could get in something pretty awesome, all-road flavor for your budget. I think you'd love it. It's interesting. Okay. It's the wagon look. If you're yeah. an enthusiast, at some point you've got to own a wagon in your life. Sure. So check I see that, that box. I see that, yeah. I say that tongue-in-cheek. But I'm thinking, uh, yeah, all-road is what you're... You're needing okay. to uh, to take a look at. I like it. I think if you're going to look at the all-road, he should also look at the A7. 
It, it has a good. It has a similar stinger shape. How to build it. a stinger? Yeah, seriously. Vice versa. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what it is. I mean, technically, actually, it's the A5 uh, door that is the closest to the stinger, but yeah. the A7 is awfully close as well. I wish the A5s were dropped in price at this point enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then readers, listeners, <laughs> All listeners have written to us with the Jaguar XF wagon. Sure, yeah, yeah. Now, those are still out of your price range, but just for fun, go searching for a 2018 <laughs> Jaguar just, XF wagon. Just shop for stuff you can't afford. We do it well, all the time. You're going to yeah. be shocked at how far those prices have come down because mm. nobody's buying them, and they're kicking them out of the U.S. lineup. Yeah. So something to consider. Hard to, to speak to the future reliability of that, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, that's a unique, interesting, beautiful, everybody will ask you what it is. They're still high 30s is the problem, so yeah. they're at least 10 grand more than you're willing to spend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like this stinger idea quite a bit here. I think it is kind of a kind of a unique and fits right what you're looking for option. I have a couple others. One is a wild card, but first off, I had this thought. I was looking at this story, seeing what Alex was telling us. He's got a forerunner, so he has Toyota reliability that he likes. Mm-hmm. He commutes like crazy. One of the worst commutes actually that we've heard in, in so a while, far. Alex. In a while. We're sorry for that. Lots of winter driving, lots of road trips, skiing, uh, job sites that are questionable. So I started thinking, okay, hang on. What is going to do all those things? And I think I have a real contender that you probably haven't looked at. I don't think it's a real contender for driving fun. I think it's fine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I think it does everything else you need to do, and that is the new Toyota RAV4 Hybrid. Hmm. We did a fast blast of it recently, and I will be perfectly honest. I don't find it fun to drive because it has ground clearance. Because it isn't a CUV actually operating to try to have ground clearance, but a I tire think, swap to goodies would be put BF goodies on there and you're good. Funny, you're but fine. the but at the same time the hybrid gets genuinely good gas mileage because it's got Prius running gear in there. Mm-hmm. It feels genuinely quick because of the the electric motors of the hybrid system. You know it's going to run because it's Toyota. Plenty of space in the back for storage for him to take stuff to the job site. If you want to ski, if you want a road trip, this does everything he's asking for. Yeah, but the price—the one we had was forty-four grand. Was, was it? I thought it loaded. was thirty-seven. It was forty. It was above forty. I think it was forty. I to thought it was high thirties. The My, hybrid is the expensive the, one. Is yes. The point. You can you can shop the fully loaded, ridiculous version of the hybrid, and you can break forty. But I but I'm pretty sure there is a hybrid variant you can get that is right around thirty grand. So Alex, shop. I think the Rav Four Hybrid, specifically the hybrid, might get it done for you. So I think it checks every box but the, wow, this is fun to drive box, but it still has decent power. So I think that is a, is a worthwhile one. And then my hybrid, I mean my hybrid, my wild card for you. Okay. You would like all-wheel drive. You love the seats of the FRS. Your back appreciates those seats. That yeah. starts to make me go, wait a minute, yeah. that's interesting. You want fold-down seats. You, want, uh, you don't like the WRX because you don't like the boy racer, and they seem like they're everywhere. Of course, this made my brain go, good seats, all-wheel drive, fun to drive, not a WRX. I thought Evo X, the, hmm. the MR. But here's the problem. That has structural supports behind the back seats, and the back seats don't fold down. And the trunk is a joke. Okay. So then I went here, rally art. <laughs> not necessarily even the wagon. Because, I, I, look, I have the hatch. I have the hatch. But get the rally art. It's not as hair on fire as the Evo, which means your gas mileage is going to be slightly better. Uh, but it's not as hair on fire as the Evo. It has really good seats. Yeah. Keep the stock exhaust. Learn from me. Uh, <laughs> but but if you don't get the hatch, it still has fold-down rear seats. If you do get the hatch, honestly, my rally art, with the hatch and the seats folded down has as much room as my wife's Cayenne with the seats folded down. It is a cavern back there. Hmm. And if I don't fold the seats down, it's still got a lot of room. But if you got the standard rally art with the fold-down seats, you probably would still have more than enough room, and you're going to save money. You are, and you've owned yours for what, over a year now? Has it been a year? Uh, it's right, coming up on a year. It'll be a year this fall. How do you feel about reliability on that? Uh, it's not as high-strung as an Evo. It isn't. It isn't. I think the people before me didn't take very good care of it, and I continue to do what I have termed carchaeology to try to figure out what the heck did you people do? It's a great term. Uh, you know, aftermarket sunroof. Yeah. There's, there's a, at one point, I, I had it jacked up recently and discovered that one of the couple of owners before me actually put lights on the underside of the runners. Oh. And I thought, really? Now, luckily, they were disconnected long before I got the car, but I thought, really, we did this? We put the LED strip. Did you leave them there? 
at the at the time I was moving quick, and so I did what I needed to do and moved on. But I was like, I got to go back. That's not good. <laughs> Tear those out of there. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so there's that. <laughs> but but here's the thing: the the transmission is the question mark. Sure, and sure. that transmission is their dual clutch. Now it's a Getrag. It's not a it's not a Mitsubishi brand. It's a Getrag gearbox. And uh, there, there is a specialist. I think there's a couple specialists. One back east, and there's one in Colorado Springs. You can tell I've looked it up. That actually has specialized <laughs> in in working on these because the problem was that Mitsubishi told their techs, "Don't touch it. If it has a problem, you tell the customer they must replace their transmission," which was oh, nine grand. No. However, you can get it serviced and spend about what it would cost. Talk, I'm talking if something breaks. I'm talking full on breaks. It'll cost you a couple grand, which is about what it's going to cost you to put a transmission in just about everything. Eh, okay, true. The transmission like, is the unknown point. Now, having said that, there are plenty of guys who've gone 100,000 miles and more on that transmission and has never blinked. I have been overly concerned about it since I've owned it, and I think to the point that now I am more concerned than I probably should be. Because it, because what I am finding is yeah. that it just runs. I think every time I drive it, it just seems to work. It works well. It works well. It doesn't. This is the ironic thing because I park it outside. It doesn't like extreme cold. Well, <laughs> the yeah, gearbox yeah. really wants to warm up for a minute. Sure. Now, I'm talking about it just got snowed on a foot overnight in Utah and it's negative 15 out. I mean, the no transmission's car not that. happy. No car's it's really like, not Yay! happy. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to Tuesday. No car. So. Like that. But but I actually think that it is more reliable than my fears became when I first got mm. the car. Because when I first got the car, I put some money into it because there was stuff that needed to be done. And that made me kind of go, did I do this wrong? But actually, over time, I feel like it's settled, and now it just runs. All right, Alex, you've got a uh, little bit of driving homework to do and some choices to make. We're all looking for great driving roads, and we've even tried to share and list some of them along the way. But now there's an app that can help anyone worldwide mark, share, and find the best roads everywhere. Driveline is the world's first social driving app. It allows you to easily record and classify your favorite road, and you can mark great pit stops, record and attach video, and you can create pins with photos to share. It's the first sharing and social driving app. You can follow people that drive interesting roads, see what they're driving. You can search an area you've never driven before. And if you find a route you like, you just hit drive it and get guided to the beginning of your new favorite road. You can even earn points and patches for your activities on the app, which build towards actual car giveaways. As the community grows, Driveline will be giving away cars to members, and your posting and drives earn you points to win. We've never seen anything like this, and we love the combination of community and great drives. You can get in early right now and shape the app and the community. So download Driveline to your phone today. Start sharing your favorite roads, meeting other drivers, and finding a new route for your next adventure. We're often asked how we find the cars that we recommend to all of you listening. Whether it's local or nationwide, our searches start with Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car shopping site separately, you can enter all your parameters for the car you're looking for into Auto Tempest one time, and then you can search for them all at once. See results from Cars.com, Cars Direct, eBay, and more, or you can jump to Auto Trader or Car Gurus without entering anything new. Same parameters, new site. You can even search all of Craigslist. Think about how hard it is to search Craigslist nationwide, one at a time. Autotempest.com has got you covered there all at once. Autotempest can help you find your next new or used car, whether there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the country. Plus, the people at Autotempest listen to this podcast, and they're always refining the site for more features. They've got research tools, buyer and seller guides, and they're listening to what their users need. So if you're doing your own drive homework, you're chasing your dream car, or just looking to feed the disease, as we are all the time, Autotempest.com is your place to start. Summer is finally here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. You know, the leather seats that you thought were a great idea until you scald your legs. Luckily, all you need is a custom sunscreen from our friends at Covercraft. They're awesome. They're amazing. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car and keep your car cooler when you're off enjoying the sunshine. These custom sunscreens come in a variety of colors, and they're an affordable and simple way to keep your car cooler in the summer and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens. I, I love it. It's one of our very favorite car accessories. Remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code every day right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. We all have a lot of to-do lists, and some of them get quite long. You know, drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea, though. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. 
All you have to do is go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save, you've heard it before, 15% or more on your car insurance. Extra money in your pocket? This just may be the most rewarding to-do thing on your list today. Happy Friday, if you haven't thought about it already. It is Friday. I hope you're having a halfway decent one. Tomorrow, I know you're not surprised, is Saturday, and we're back on the Motor Trend Cable Channel with a brand new episode. This is called Accidental Twins. It is the Mercedes A220 versus the brand new Mazda 3, because I think these companies unknowingly almost made the same car. Maybe knowingly, though. Maybe knowingly. This is the big debate of the episode. This is the big debate of the episode. So we drove both of those. They're very similar in color. This is episode five of brand new, six brand new episodes in uh, season five. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. episode six is coming. So uh, pay attention to that. We have, uh, and of course, that is coming to Amazon and Vimeo as well very soon. We have a new car debate, though, for uh, Hosni J that's writing into us. He thinks he wants an all-wheel drive car, but he definitely wants... A grown-up car. Yeah, this is a podcast all about adulting. He just turned 29, and he's owned his Infiniti G35 Coupe for about two years, and his wife says he needs to go to a four-door car. (laughs) Okay. Hang on. Did you see the YouTube video we just dropped? About the spectrum of sacrifice and yeah. talking about how when we all become <laughs> yeah. adults, we're supposed to get an adult car. Now, I realize I'm an extreme case. You but, are. You make it work despite everything. But but Hosni and Hosni's wife, because I know she's listening now, hello. Uh, do, do you have to grow up? Do you have to have a four-door? Is it just a... Th- it really? depends on a lot of things. Hosni, it does. It depends it does. on the job that you have and your requirements mm-hmm. and do you need it and do you you know, pick up kids and you know that kind of thing. But in general, we want you to have something that fits your life and still, you know, who cares if you look like an adult or not? Well, and what does an adult look like? I don't know. I have seen plenty of not people. Not in this room. I have seen plenty of people that are parents of multiple kids, and they shouldn't take care of their own phone, let alone other humans. Okay? <laughs> so define for me an adult. Right. Honestly. Right. Well, in, in car land, you, you need to drive something that makes you happy and, yeah. and just thrills you. And You're if it just happens money on to it. be an FRS or an Elise or a Cayman or mm-hmm, something, mm-hmm. just, you know what? That's a kid car. No, no. We've discussed <laughs> Fiesta STs and Molten Orange for 70-year-olds. Yes. And this is a thing. Yes, it is. So we recommend getting something you'd love to drive. Okay, so this is the point here. He, now, Hosni has owned a 2000 Infiniti i30. Mm-hmm. He's owned an 01 Nissan Maxima. Mm-hmm. And now is 04 G35. Noticing a Nissan trend, am I? He went to his local dealer to get an oil change, get some service done, and he says this was all going to take more than a day, so they gave him a loaner. Mm -hmm. The loaner. They gave him a Q50. Yeah. He brought it home. It was the all-wheel drive, 400 horsepower. I'm wondering if it was the Red Sport, as a matter of fact. Yeah, the 400 horsepower, four-door Q50. So that is essentially to follow the, the, the model lineup here. Your G35 Coupe had a G35 sedan. Uh-huh. That yes. moved on to G37 and then the Q50. So it is the progression in four-door of the car you own currently, if a, you will. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, Q. Q. Q is exactly what? where we need to go next, yeah. All right. When he brought this home, his wife immediately yelled. He says, yelled. Yes. That's a grown-up car. <laughs> I'm not sure Which, why that matters. I'm sorry, but to stay with that. I, I agree. Anyway. Now, he's a fan of the Lancer Evo. Mm-hmm. Should he spend his money on an Evo? Should he get this Q50 or something else? Mm. He is torn. Now, we don't have a budget here from from Hosni, and we're guessing at least 15, at least. Maybe well, pushing but, 20. Yeah, but here's the thing. If we're shopping old Evos or possibly Q50s, I think we're closer to 25, 30. We could be. Yeah. I'm, I'm going yeah. very restrained. You're being point. conservative. Look at you. You've got... A lot of driving homework because there's a lot of fun sedans, and I will mm-hmm, recommend our mm-hmm. Blue Cars episode. Yes. When we went hunting, Hosni, for the very thing you're looking for. Yeah. yeah it is, yeah. look at me, I'm doing the adult thing. Not really when I take the car on a road over here. <laughs> you won't believe the fun I'm having while I do it, yeah. That was the point of the brand new 3 Series, mm-hmm. the Genesis G70, and the Alpha Julia base. Yes. We did not have the yes, TI yes. with the sport package. We just had the base, and it was still a riot. Mm-hmm. So... At least those three cars are your driving homework. Yeah, I agree. But again, to Todd's point, you know, do you have to be the foregone conclusion sort of buyers? Because when we're driving together, we always see a, a name a interesting car, a mm-hmm. Mercedes SL, a Corvette, and we look over. Of course, you're going to look at who's driving it. Mm-hmm. And 
when people exactly match the marketing brief, <laughs> marketing folks know they they know exactly. You, you kind of want to shake the marketing stuff. department's hand, and you kind of want to shake the driver and be like, "Don't be a foregone conclusion." You yeah. are the marketing department. They they nailed you. <laughs> they they got you so right. There's a picture of you in somebody's office right now. Totally, you don't even realize it. Yeah. You are on the mood board. You are in their little film in the studio <laughs> playing. So while that is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. We're giving you permission to break outside of that. And there's mm. so many coupes that are very adult cars, but you've yeah. been hooning from 3 Series to the the Lexus and Infiniti coupes. There's Audi, Audi the A5. Very adult cars. Is the Audi A5 a kid's car? No. No. I like that idea, actually. Yeah. There's, there's so many cars. I'm almost... We could spend the next hour listing... Everything mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that is out there that will give you, okay, what's the balance between, hey, you're moving up in the world. You get yeah. an assistant manager yeah. or all the way to, you know, wow, that's a fun sports car. I, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going through your crisis early, huh? <laughs> you know? hey. but, I, but I also maintain, I've said it before, it is not a midlife crisis if it's the first of a series of sports cars you own. If you I go agree. through a progression of life where for whatever reason, kids, finances, whatever you feel like you need to do in your life, you don't own a sports car and you get to... 35, 40, 50, and you buy your first sports car. Mm -hmm. Everyone is going to think, because this is the way we all move as lemmings, oh, midlife crisis. You're getting a divorce too. You're getting a young girlfriend. That's going to be the assumption. But I maintain if that is the first of the next 20 years of you owning sports cars, it's not a midlife crisis. It's the first opportunity you had to go, I've always wanted this. So is it a crisis that starts at 16 and ends at 80, 85? That's a lot of years. The car disease is a crisis. It absolutely is. It's the 70-year crisis? There you go. Perfect. I like it. 65, 70-year long. This is just who we are. This Mm -hmm. is... And and you have our permission to do it. So there's a lot of things to consider here. If you're considering reliability, sure, we understand if you look at Infinity and Lexus and mm-hmm. Toyota. And yeah. Absolutely. There's a lot of good choices in there. But the, at least the three I named, the G70 is such a great mix. The yeah. new 3 Series mm-hmm. is fantastic. I'm thinking it's probably out of your budget being $55,000. It was expensive. Yeah. But you can be in a G70 starting at mid to high 30s. That's high on my it's list for him, actually. The, the G70 will surprise you. Yeah. We're, we've just talked about Kia Stingers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That car seems to fit so many people's lives, and I love that people are continuing to discover this car. We have beat this drum endlessly, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of stuff. I've even thought of the new Mercedes-Benzes. Okay. I love what they're doing, the new yeah. C-Class. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's the really The A is great. really cool. The A is really excellent. Coming out of our episode actually this weekend, they're you'll get 30. our thoughts on the new A. Yeah, they're yeah, yeah. Th- well, they're they're, th- 30, they're 35 and up. They're 35, 35 and up. to start, yeah. and then you'll load on whatever you want. Of course you will, yeah. Ours was more than that. Was Ours a was a press car, which means you could have bought lots of really nice sports cars for what yeah. this was, because press car essentially has a box check where it's just like, give them everything. Yeah. I think the advice instead of a particular car, besides the ones I've mentioned, mm-hmm. is to narrow down what you consider the image you want to project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you care about it, you are projecting one way or yeah, the other, yeah. and you're you're wanting you know clearly adult kind of image, and then go drive those things that you think are in that category. Again, mm-hmm. price is a consideration, and then the reliability. But yeah. most new cars are going to be just great, especially a couple year old. Agreed, Hosni. Uh, here, here's a, the main thing I want to say to you: you've owned a string of of Infinity and Nissan product, essentially all Nissan product. Mm-hmm. Let's not get a Q50. I'm with you. The and, Q's, and I, the, and the I like the Q50. Cool. I, I genuinely like the Q50, but I think you should go to a completely different brand for a completely new experience. I agree. If we're going to go, quote, unquote, adult cars, I agree with you, Paul. Define what that means. But Audi A5 is a two-door car, not a four-door car, but I don't think any – I mean, I know you can get it in four-door. You know what I'm saying? The yes. Audi A5 is a well, two-door yeah, car five originally. Five-door hatch now and blah. Yes. I don't think anybody would look at that car and be like, that's a kid's car. No. Nobody's going to say oh. that. But it's a two-door. So where is the line? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You you actually need to have that conversation and figure out with your wife, where's the line? What qualifies? Because I think it's interesting that you bring up the Evo 10. Mm-hmm. Because the Evo 10 is, yes, a four-door. But I think most people that drive that, if other people looking at it, would be like, well, that's a kid's car. That's a teenager's car. Oh, but it talked, isn't. We talked about the GLA 45 being the, you're still into hot hatches, and you must have a hatch, and you've driven everything else, and you owned all GTIs, and you want Focus the grown-up version, yeah. and you want to do the adult thing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. So it works well for that. Drive the Golf R. 
Yeah, yeah. Drive the GLA AMG 45. The Genesis G70 is going to surprise you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you should seriously consider the Evo, but what you need is that you need the MR Touring, which is, was like 45 or 47 new, but now they're down. So that's the dual-clutch gearbox. Get it, I normally wouldn't do this, but get it in the gray. What? Because the only thing about it is nobody's going to know that's a hot car but you. <laughs> but the seats are fantastic. It's, it's, it's throaty and fun. That looks like – because the thing about it is it's not that it looks like an adult car. It just looks like a subtle car versus the blue one with the awesome wheels on the wing, which is the one I would get, let's with be honest. With an orange hot hat. Exactly right. So, so, but, but honestly, Golf R, the, uh, if you can find one, drive a Civic Type R. I think it's too flashy, but that is the, that's one of the ultimate dad cars right now. It's the ultimate do-everything commute. It's mm-hmm. fun. It's surprising. They're good price, slightly used. Unscrew the wing, put a little <laughs> surely somebody makes the just the little tiny the calm down flap ducktail. on the back. I don't think I don't think for a split you second his wife is gonna tolerate know. the uh, <clears throat> I don't I don't think that she's going you to never uh, know. The think thing it's an adult is car. it drives like an adult car. It does. Until you, you don't want it to. Yes, I agree. It's it's such a personality car. Lexus R C. Drive That's that car. Up there, yeah. I was car. thinking Audi S3. You mentioned the Golf R. How about the S3? S3 is good. You want the adult version of the Golf R? You're right. That's a nice S3. little sedan version. You're absolutely right. And then the Audi A220, or sorry, the Mercedes A220 mm-hmm. that we just drove. Yeah. That's got to be on the list. Mm-hmm. Mazda 3's got to be up there, the brand yeah. new one. Like I said, you're, you're hearing us start to name all these ideas, but it has first to do with you answering the question for yourself. What is the image? Mm-hmm. What does adult mean to you? I think what does it have to do? Do, do you need the four doors? Do you need the all-wheel drive? Yeah. Or? We don't know where you live. I like the S3 a lot. I'm glad you brought that up. I think there's some really good, very compelling cars to drive in here. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, how far do you want to go down the rabbit trail of uh, – you're almost – what you're almost shopping, you're almost shopping sleepers. Yeah. The cars that yeah, don't stand out, that. but yet they it's really are incredibly fun to drive. We're going to talk sleepers. BMW 335iS and Chevy SS. Oh, that's that's an adult – Nobody well, looks at those cars. <laughs> Nobody looks at those cars and thinks, "Oh, you're a hooning teenager." But yet, get in those cars. Nice fun Mallard Chevy SS. What's that? <laughs> exactly. And then you proceed to rumble your way away from them and enjoy exactly. a back road. All good. So you throw down and leave, you know, forty yards of black marks. I love it. I love it. You're not a kid. <laughs> Thanks for writing, you guys. If you got your own debate, EverydayDriverTV at gmail dot com or on the website. Todd and I are getting ready for our second Utah meetup, if you can believe it. Yes, it's this weekend. When you're now, listening all the to details this, are on the website. people are arriving and we're meeting with them. It's very Amazing. cool. We've got hikes and drives and mountain bikes and a day at the track on Saturday, which is going to be really cool, and a really cool drive with a fun meal afterward on Sunday. I'm excited about all of it, honestly. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, for sure. We've got a lot of yeah fans of the show coming. It's going to be awesome. And then uh, we've got a lot of great questions to move to. So we'll jump to Instagram over here. Club Racer 6 is listening. He says, so, Paul, time to sell the Cayman. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Think of what you could buy with that money. And like I said, you've been listening to our last podcast where we um, fawned. Fawned is a good word. Over the Mondial. Uh, yeah, we're surprised by is another thing that Fa- happened. Yeah. I, I'm still yeah. kind of shopping Mondials. Were, uh, yeah, of course Because you the are. best part is we heard that you don't have to have an engine out service for that car. That's what we heard. You yeah. can do the belts, leave the engine in the car. I mean, this is revolutionary, <laughs> I know, to leave the lump. You could leave the engine in the, in the, car. the car is a selling point, is really, that's, that is the beginning of madness right there. That really is. <laughs> I mean, that just, that's just like a, a, a Hashtag in the, in the good column over here. That's a big hashtag. It's, it's a yeah. selling point for me, whereas most people's like, you mean engines have to come? Why would they have to come out? <laughs> you're just doing what to it? And you got to take the engine <laughs> yeah, out. Exactly. You're, you're only have, doing what? I have to spend the price of an entire car for you to do this little simple thing? Yeah. He suggests a Safari Mondial, which you knew was coming. <laughs> oh, no. Dude. Oh, that sounds great. Safari Mondial. There's been a, a Safari 308. They've I know. Safariizing everything. I know. Mondial. Mondials are high on the list because uh, the seats were great. They look terrible, but they're great. Oh, you're just. I think you're also just have a soft spot right now for the '80s Ferrari. I do, and this, uh, despite my lack of overarching Ferrari love. Mm-hmm. And I come to the old ones, and then I'm like, yeah. It's because they maintain that analog feel. And the six-speed sure. gated shifter that the new ones, as brilliant as they are, have walked away from. When the shifter, it, it the springs 
move it back to center. So you pull it out of gear, mm-hmm. second or third, yeah. whatever it is, and it snaps it back to center position. As you're moving into the next gear, you get that nice clack. That is magic. It is cool. It, it sounds really it's, crazy and obsessive and weird, but we're already all there because you're listening you're right. to this yeah, podcast. You're, we, yeah, we've when been there a while. you get the yeah. clack from mm-hmm. second to third, you're like, oh, Well, but I, I said oh, it, I said cool it on, the, on the Griot's podcast, I believe, but I'm going to say it again here now. I think – actually, I don't think I said it on the podcast. I think I said it to you afterward. Okay. We were talking about that. And, and follow me. I'm going to go way down the rabbit hole here, but but I really do believe this. Having driven on that day, both the Mondial and the the 550 Marinello, both of which had the six speed gated shifter from Ferrari, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I yes. think that for Ferrari is the same as Porsche's steering feel. Okay, Porsche when they used to be air cooled and had no hydraulic steering at all. It was, it yeah. was analog, full, non-power sure. steering. Sure. There, w- there was some magic there. Absolutely. The magic was lessened a bit when they went to hydraulic steering. Yeah. yeah. But then it was definitely lessened when they went to electric steering, electric assist steering. Porsche known. That was their magic. It was that front-end feel of the 911 steering. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that the 911 hasn't gotten better, because it has. It doesn't mean it hasn't gotten faster, because it has. Right, right. It's progressed, but they lost a little bit of magic, Okay. Out of the, as a result of, of these changes in technology, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the six-speed gated shifter is that for Ferrari. Absolutely. And once that left, it's not like the car didn't get better. Oh, yeah, it got better. But there was a magic moment lost. And driving two very different, they were uh, about 10, 11 years apart, two very different Ferraris with mm-hmm. the gated shifter. They couldn't have been more different in personality. Sure, sure. But that magic was in both. And well, so I think that's interesting. The 550 added because it was V12 gated There's shifter that. There's that. manual. But, but I was just enjoying yeah. that interaction. That yeah. That is a, a classic Ferrari thing, and I do think something was lost there. I didn't come away expecting to kind of love Ferrari again. I didn't, I didn't expect after <laughs> that drive. But old Ferraris. <laughs> well, yeah, they are. But I didn't come thinking, well, those are so, you know, the ignored Ferraris, especially the Mondial. It's the sandal in the convertible form. It is a sandal. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, we've got a question from Casey Gleason here. What are some surprisingly good cars made under less desirable brands? Mm. Well, the, the uh, at least for the U.S., you know, all the Infinities, Acuras, and Lexi of the world, mm-hmm. those are great cars. I mean, those are they the, are for the sure. other brand you can argue all day long. They're Hondas, Nissans, and Toyotas. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it's going to be things, <laughs> I mean, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Maseratis and and. Some alphas made under the <laughs> pickle forks and alphas. There we go. Yeah. Seriously, it's uh, it's the unknowns when you have new chassis and a mm-hmm. new brand or mm-hmm. a, you know a re- revived brand. But it's hard to point out. Wow, this is the overlooked car mm-hmm. because generally speaking, the media is going to have glommed onto it and kind of discovered it. Yeah, and the yeah. originals like Fiesta STs and. You know, all those you know, hatchbacks are kind of known to some degree. Yeah. May there's a, yeah. there's a lot less badge yeah. en- engineering, I think, in sports car land than there is in SUV and sedan land. Mm, mm. I think there's more of that nowadays, kind of going on. So it's it's hard to say. Wow, this sports car made by the same thing. Your Sabaru was kind of that. Yeah. That's probably yeah. the closest example. It's so surprising. It's got the SDI steering rack, and yeah. you know it's yeah, yeah. labeled a Saab, built by Fuji Heavy Industries, and you get it serviced at a Subaru dealer. It was fantastic. Wait, how it weird was, is that? It was the best of parts, Ben. It really was. You know, it, it really was. There's yeah. not too many of those kinds of cars, because I think car manufacturers are going more towards honesty with their performance models, mm-hmm. and then badge engineering for whatever that is, for mm. you know the rebranded whatever yeah. the uh yeah infinity you know the narwhal versus the nissan armada you know, yeah kind of well the qx30 is the mercedes gla yeah well yeah but yeah, it's those kind of things i can't yeah. bless it with like this is really good no it's, it's not that but, fine, but i see the branding you're talking about yeah it rolls i i think um, hmm what, what are we what are we finding here that's you know what actually is struggling with this right now I think, because when we talk to people about it, the Kia and Hyundai brand are still struggling under a reputation from 15 years ago because they're genuinely making good cars. That's absolutely accurate. And when we talk to – when I talk to people that I I guess I would talk to as (laughs) car-adjacent, okay? They're not really involved in car culture. They're car-adjacent. They're kind of interested in cars. They find cars interesting, but they don't know much about cars. They have a driver's license? No, not not that far. Okay, not that far. Because okay. those some of those folks are are car hating, but they are required to drive, okay. and that's a whole other thing. I get I get <laughs> that why that exists category. too. I get why that exists too. But so the car adjacent folks are often 
like Kia, really? Hyundai, true, really? True. I'm like, yeah, they make some good stuff. So speaking actually of that, Alex Mandaloni asked, I have two uh, watch homeworks for two different questions here. He asked, he has a $20,000 budget. He could get a Hyundai Veloster Turbo R-Spec or a Honda Civic for his daily. Mm. And then he's talking about maybe a C4 for a sports car. Lush. Interesting. I think you need to watch some of our back catalog, our TV episodes. We had an episode where we drove the uh, Civic Sport. In downtown L.A. against the Mazda 3 and the Elantra. So you should watch that episode. That's in Season 2, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And then in this current season, Season 5, we drive the current Veloster N versus the Civic Si Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the GTI. So that's in the current episode. I think that those would help you. Uh, in the, in that similar world, um, yeah, I also wonder if you want to go up to the Veloster N and have it as your only car and not even get the C4. I'm just mm-hmm. thinking out loud here. Mm-hmm. I, I, combine your money. In, in a similar situation, Fabian asked, uh, what do we think of the Shelby GT350? We like it. We've talked about it a lot. Love it. We have quite a few videos. There's a, a GT350 versus the Boss 302 that is available on YouTube and was also part of Season 1. Yeah. And then we've had the GT350R versus the Camaro. We're a big fan of that car. If, if you're yeah. wondering about stepping up right now, you said Focus RS, would you like the 350? I think the short answer is yes, Rear-wheel drive, there's some magic in that car because of the engine. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah, Todd and I are talking about having Billy Johnson back on the podcast yeah, because he yeah. was one of the principal consultants for the new GT500. Development driver, yeah. And we love the GT350. The 500 is a monster, of course. We'd mm-hmm. love to hear his thoughts on that, so we're, we're working towards that. There's a question from Baloo240 who says, Paul, help me figure this out. What specifically makes the newer Panamera rear end look so much better mm. than the older original body style? Is it the rear glass to trunklet ratio, the increased hip displacement over the rear arches? He likes it a lot more, just doesn't know why. Mm. It is proportion. Think about this. When you're in the design studio and design chiefs and designers come look at what they've got in clay or okay. on the yep. screen yeah, in yeah. digital form, they'll look at the surface of the car and they'll say, okay, I want that surface to come in by two mils. Millimeters. You think think millimeters. Two two mils. What? Are you going to see a difference? Absolutely. Because you're taking Mm. the visual weight out of something. Mm. Or you're dropping. You know what? Let's drop the back end by three mils there and push that in. And I want to bring this down. It's all about those proportions. So it's Mm. not necessarily that those hips are lower and the back end slopes better, even though it does. It's the ratio, as you're talking about, Mm. from, you know, the, the distance from glass to wheel arch to lights to, you know, it is a new design back there. It's a fresh new design. I yeah. think it is actually more successful than the old one. looks more like the 911 in a good it, way. It does. I think. Yeah. In a very good way. But it's it's all about proportion. And that's mm. what designers are citing down lines. They're looking at it from every angle. Design studios, the, the guys in there, the people in there, will look at a car and stare at a line yeah, or a shoulder yeah, yeah. for like 30 minutes. What are you doing there? Look at the reflection, move their head back and forth. <laughs> what are you doing? And that's part of the job to yeah. understand and, and make those proportions better and mm. ultimately more pleasing because it's such a difficult job to make it functional and make mm. it look good and meet the you know all those business requirements. But for what you're talking about, yeah, the back end now comes a little it it appears to drop a little bit lower faster kind of like a Cayman look interesting which we okay. love and those hips seem to have dropped but they might not have they could be even higher but it's mm. these these ratios go look at an E30 M3 and look how mm. tall the rear glass is and how close yes. it is to that rear wheel arch yes you're going to be point. astounded the Acura Legend look how thin those A pillars are and yeah. the B pillarless glass and how tall the greenhouse is mm. in comparison mm. to the rest mm. of the car you're going to be you're going to think, wow, people liked this? These proportions seem weird. <laughs> people survived in this? That's the reason they no longer survive looks that way. without iPhones? <laughs> you people. So look at those proportions and look at ratios. And it's the same thing when you see a uh, an artist hold their pencil up with their thumb on the end of the pencil. Oh, sure. And they're measuring sure, proportion. Sure. And they're holding out either to the, the figurine or mm, the mm. you know the model or the you know still life, whatever they're doing. And they're, they're looking at proportion based mm. on whatever length on their pencil. And then they're relating that to the proportion on their drawing to make yeah, it to scale yeah. into what they're drawing. Same thing with designers doing mm. the same thing, hmm, citing cool. down the lines. And that's so cool. you're looking at a lot cleaner, more fussed about revision of that car but you know what to make it that clearly the first gen had to exist Mm, so they could refine interesting okay yeah 
What else you got here? Uh, we've got one more real quick. Rescue Pet Motorsports says uh, he was watching the blue car episodes, and he says, three cars in 21 minutes seems like a tough task. Is there a longer cut? Yes, there's a longer cut of all of these. <laughs> uh, this is the battle. The, the first cuts of these come in about 35 minutes, and the final cuts are 21 and a half. So exactly. You, you do your math. Uh, that, that does require some cut down. Um, is there going to be an alternate version? Generally, no, because the, there's a lot of cutting, as you can tell, between 35 and 21. Uh, there's a lot of cutting down, and it would require almost a new post-production process of mixing and color, and all of the finishing steps would have to be done again. So typically, we aren't going to do extended versions, but you're right. There's more there than we are able to show, but we hopefully show good stuff, too. Cool question from CamTXNY. How do we value or depreciate the value based on the number of previous owners? Mm. So this, this is interesting, especially, obviously, when purchasing a used car. But it seems like cars with one single previous owner are ideal. But mm. who's to say cars with two or three owners aren't as capable of properly maintaining? Well, sure, sure they are. Sure. Your yeah, Mini yeah. is a perfect example of a one owner, mm-hmm. kept it forever, yep. maintained the daylights out of it, and it was awesome. It was surprisingly mm-hmm. it was, good. It was much better than it should have been. It was fantastic, yeah. But that doesn't mean you mm-hmm. can't correlate that to just one owner because mm-hmm. there could be a string of eight. Your lease is actually a different example. Yes, it's got like six or seven owners before me. And it's still, now it's a Toyota and it's, you know. Yeah kind of bulletproof, but it still needs care and feeding. Yeah, for sure. My Cayman had one prior owner, and it was dealer-serviced, and mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, yeah. The Expedition. I know where that came from. It was my family. It was yeah. my dad. So I, I know where all those cars came from. You kind of know the service history, but absolutely not. You cannot correlate because... You could have two, three, four prior owners absolutely on top of the service. Yeah. And that is the biggest reason why you need to look for those records. And if yeah. a car records has those huge. records, it almost is irrelevant how many owners the car has had. Mm. They're keeping mm-hmm. it just adding to and adding to yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. the service history because owners like to dig in and find, oh, that was done then. Okay, I should, mm-hmm. I should probably do that now. I'm going to do that service early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of thinking. And so the, the more records there are to a car, doesn't mean you're going to need to look through them all. That just means the car has been really fussed over and that's a good thing that's awesome yeah so i wouldn't i wouldn't put too much stock in oh this car only had one owner that makes it better no not necessarily well this car had four owners i'm gonna avoid that no not necessarily so you've just got to look at what is available from a record keeping standpoint and how did they go about doing it you could be fine with a 16 owner car and they had it for maintenance is key maintenance is key cares that is the biggest thing about you know yeah carfax is helpful absolutely Mm -hmm. Got to do your own pre-purchase inspection and and yeah. uh, you know really look it over closely or have a friend do it. But you know those maintenance records are good. Uh, I've got one last one and that is eighty six slime dog on Twitter said, "What do we recommend for interior leather care?" I look, I'm not the good guy of the two of us for this, so I am going to say it. Get the Grio stuff. Yeah, not yeah. just because they're our sponsor, but because I'm the guy that doesn't know how to and isn't good at putting effort into keeping a car up, okay? (laughs) And my wife, I got her literally the leather care wipes for her Cayenne. We've had that car for four or five years now, and the leather looks fantastic. It looks really great. she literally just wipes down all the seats with the leather care wipes after she takes it to a drive-thru car wash. This is not a detailing reality here, okay? And the interior looks great. So I'm definitely going to say that. Thanks a million for all your questions, guys. Really appreciate it. As always, we're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.